We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 56. Our guest today is an absolute powerhouse. She is the event director of Equitana USA, Equitana being the number one equestrian expo in the world. No big deal. (laughs) She is incredible. She is one of my attendees of my equestrian workshop, and she is amazing. There is so much to learn from this lady. So here to talk about Equitana and all things equestrian, here is Megan Markowitz. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Uh, Would love to hear how you got into riding and how that kind of paved the way for your work within the equestrian industry today. Sure. Um, so I started riding when I was seven or eight. Um, my mom's friend actually had a daughter that rode at the local barn and I was like, I don't want to ride. I don't really care about it. Um, and then I took a lesson and everything changed. (laughs) Um, I went from not wanting to go, not really caring to becoming like, all I wanted to do was ride. Um, so after about a year or two of taking lessons, I was at one of those barns and like most barns that say, well, now she needs a horse. Um, and the only way to really move on and get better and to grow in my riding career at the time was to get a horse. So all of a sudden there was this beautiful flea bitten gray mare, um, which I found out was an off track thoroughbred, but at the time she moved like a beautiful, um, hunter with her aluminum shoes. Mm -hmm. And I saw some of the older junior riders ride her and was like, this is absolutely amazing. Yeah. So my parents kindly enough purchased, her name was Lily. And her show name was Twist of Fate and purchased her. And I did everything from short stirrup to the children's hunters. And she was wild. She was nothing like that beautiful, quiet hunter that I had seen in the junior riders on. So after um, the learning to lunge a horse for 45 minutes before a mm-hmm. lesson and making beet pulp and bran and special foods and at the barn that I wrote it, it was kind of, they were great, but they didn't have the grooms like they do now. So it was kind of like, you need to buy this, this, and this and yeah. figure it out. Yeah. Um, so after a couple of years of that and my parents going to and from Agway to get the special food and all that kind of stuff, we moved Lily and myself to another barn in Eastern Connecticut. So I'm from Newtown, Connecticut originally. And we started doing some more riding. And then I moved to another barn in Southbury, Connecticut that had an indoor because the the one that I had previously did not. And I met Jenny Martin, now Jenny Martin McAllister, who now I see is an amazing show jumper. But back then she was just my trainer and an amazing, amazing. jumper, but wow. a different um, back then. So she got me into the jumpers and we decided to take this off track thoroughbred who was a little too wild um, into the children's jumpers and ended up crushing it. Love so it. yeah, it was amazing. We, um, she loved it. She loved it. I loved it. Um, it kind of really became my thing. And then after a couple of years with her, I moved back to Newtown to ride with Steve Heineke at what was Northfield as now was Redgate. And I did a lot, a lot of jumpers we showed. And, um, right before getting ready for the Vermont summer circuit one year, I was probably about 12 or 13. We jumped a bounce in the ground pre-field and she jumped as an oxer and fell and broke her shoulder no. and she had to be put down. 
and uh, it was it was horrible but I, I was so young it was kind of like kind of a wake-up call in a way that, like this is kind of dangerous my parents felt really bad and kindly bought me beautiful black Hanoverian equitation horse because I decided now I want to be like those cool junior oh, kids and do the so I rode him uh Wolfie for a couple years and then I turned 16 and my parents at this point were probably kind of fed up with all the financial aspects of it, but they were very, very supportive. Um, and I worked too. I braided, I clipped, I did gardening for my trainer, anything to kind of work off lessons and training and all these different things. But my parents came to me and said, you can have a brand new car or you can keep riding. Whoa. (laughs) And I, I know I said at this point, I had no social life. It was all about horses. I said, you know what? I'm giving it up. I'll take the car. And that's that. Yeah. So what car did um, you get? An Acura Integra. Oh, <laughs> look out. I know. I was <laughs> brand new. I was 16. Oh, uh, yeah. So it was all about the social life in the car. Sure. And uh, luckily, we sold my equitation horse to a girl who was moving up off the ponies at the barn. So we knew he had a great home. Yep. And then I went to the University of Connecticut, um, wanted to be a vet. They had said, three, you will make it out of about 300. And I said, you know what? Marketing sounds great. Sounds a lot easier. Gosh. So switched to business. Um, and then I kind of, I graduated, I worked for guest watches in the watch and jewelry industry. And then I still always thought about riding. Um, but it wasn't financially feasible. I had my career. It was kind of like, always a thing I loved, but it was kind of whatever. And then, um, I moved over to Reed Exhibitions, which is one of the world's largest trade show companies. And as a marketing director for JIS jewelry shows, they were acquiring new events and I loved marketing. I loved jewelry and watches. So it kind of worked out perfectly. Yeah. And at this point in my career, um, I had kids, I was financially successful and sound and could support myself and had some extra financial income, was married, kind of everything fell into place. And I said, you know what? It's really time. I'm going to start riding again. Nice. So one of the local barns that I knew even as a kid that I did horse shows at, uh, went back to and took a lesson and fell right back into it instantly. It was like a, a lot of people say it where it's easier than riding a bike. I don't think I could get back on a bike and ride one, but your body definitely doesn't do the things that it should, but you know what you should be doing. Totally. So that was great. At least I had some sort of positive motivation. Like I can do this. Um, so I started taking lessons and then found a wonderful farm on the North Salem Brewster line in New York and ended up riding there. And then all of a sudden I was at work one day and I got tapped on the shoulder that there was some opportunities for me to further my career. And they kind of said, do you want to kind of start your own development kind of career path here? Or would you want to be an event director, which is kind of the next step to running a show at a trade show company? And I said, you know, I have no desire to be an event director. I think it's all about sales. I'm not a salesy person. But I did hear rumors that they were going to launch a horse event. And they said, go talk to Marie Brown. She was the head of the launch department. They're going to the Kentucky Horse Park in a couple of weeks. You should go. Oh, okay. 
So I talked to Marie and she said, it's the event director position. We're going to the Kentucky Horse Park. We're meeting with the German team who they run Equitana, which is the world's largest equestrian trade and exhibition event. Um, it's been going on since 1972. Wow. And we all met with the Kentucky Horse Park. Um, we met with Yousef, Pony Club, um, some government officials, Visit Lux, a bunch of people. And they decided to move forward. So I went from marketing director and jewelry to event director to this new horse show. And we decided to launch it in September, 2020. So I've been working on that ever since. Continuing to ride, of course, when I can, when work and travel and kids lets me. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So what does a normal day look like, um, as being the event director for Equitana? Um, so I do have a five-year-old daughter and three stepchildren. So the mornings are crazy and busy and we, the four of them go to four different schools. No way. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Yeah. We wake up super early and, um, drop everyone off their schools. And then when I go to work, typically go in, check emails. I have probably all day of meetings with the marketing team, the special events team, um, our operations teams, uh, sponsorships and sponsorship fulfillment teams. It's definitely a team effort. So everyone kind of works together. Um, being the event director is great. And you're kind of what they call the maestro of the show. But, um, I, I mean, it sounds wonderful, but at the same time, it's really, I could never do any of this without all the people that I work with. Right. Um, and we kind of just all talk and I do haven't come from an equestrian background. It's a little easier for the team. Um, some people are equestrians and some are not. So to be able to say, oh, talk to the Quarter Horse Association or the right. Morning Horse Association, like having that or knowing the background of Pony Club, which I forgot to mention, but I dabbled in Pony Club a little bit when I was younger as well. So so basically we have a ton of meetings and we kind of divide and conquer each day. And then in the trade show world, uh, there's always changes and new things. And then you decide, oh, we need a children's area of the show. So we're working with Briar and Fun. getting stable mates for people to meet. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, a typical day, I guess, in regards to my position as well, I do everything from sales, which I said I would never do, but I get to talk to people in the same boat as me a lot of the time, which right. is wonderful. So I get to call people who I've either looked up to or got their site. Or like Carly from Cavalli Club, I get to talk to her and we become friends and talk about being amateurs and riding and Mm -hmm. things like that. I always say like, there's rarely a time that you can mix your personal and professional life. And somehow it worked out for me. And totally, I don't think I would be an instructor for any other industry, but I never would want to do anything other than I'm doing now. Yeah. That's amazing. For people who don't know about Equitana, tell me a little bit about what that looks like, what kind of their mission and goal is and what the event would be like if you were to attend and then how you are trying to emulate that or make tweaks or changes to, I guess, like Americanize or bring this to the U.S. for a U.S. event. Sure. So um, Equitana started back in 1972. It was what they call a one-man show. Um, A private individual decided to start the show, and he had, I think, about 50,000 attendees and a couple hundred exhibitors just randomly. So obviously there was a need for it. And then Reed Exhibitions took it over, which is one of the world's largest trade show companies. We produce probably 500 different events in 40 different industry sectors and deal with 7 million people a year. So it's really a huge company. (laughs) 
and they've been running it ever since. The show takes place in Essen, Germany, and they have some satellite shows that are smaller around the area and then some licensed shows in Australia and abroad. But the German event takes place every other year, and it's expanded to this massive nine-day show where more than 200,000 people come. Oh, my gosh. And there's about 800 exhibitors, and they have, it's in this massive convention center in the middle of a city. Wow. So they build up all the stabling and the stalls, and it's unbelievable. And they have eight different halls, and they're all designated. Like One is um, trailers and stable equipment, and they literally build stables and barns with therapy items and mm. spas. It's on a scale that you would never, never even yeah. imagine. Um, and like I said, it's every other year cause it's such a big event yeah. and there's really three pillars. So it's shopping, education, and entertainment. Okay. And they have about the 800 exhibitors that you can shop where it's everything from many international brands that we're probably not familiar with here or that we really like here that we don't get a lot of, but then there's the Ariats and the basic brands that we all kind of know and love. Yep. And then they have um, 1,600 different education sessions across these nine days. Oh and there's arenas and rings built in each of these halls. And they have famous, famous Olympians and riders. And they cover kind of everything, absolutely everything. And then every night they have a night event. A couple nights are more like clinician presentations almost. They had okay. like their beer bomb last year when I was there cool. and a couple of other disciplines, which most of it's in German. So you get to wear the headsets. <laughs> so that was a little uh -huh. different, but then they also have this evening show called the hop top show, which is like Cirque du Soleil with horses. It's unlike anything you've ever seen. There's this giant wall. It's an entire screen and it's a story and absolutely amazing. And that's kind of a separate event, a separate ticket. It's you, they, I think they use Ticketmaster. So it's like a real live wow. show. Yeah. And, um, it's, you'd think it would be almost impossible to replicate this anywhere, but after lots of research and trying to figure out where else we could launch an Equitana, they really found that there's a need in the U S we have horse expos, which are great, absolutely great for what they are, but we really want to launch something that was more kind of up and coming brands right. and big brands like that you could shop kind of like if you go to an old Salem horse show or Hampton classic and you shop the vendor village or WEF and you're like, Ooh, this is wonderful. Yes. We want to be able to have that at an expo that also has the education and the evening show opportunities. So at the Kentucky horse park, uh, we'll be doing it every year. So we'll be doing it September 25th to the 27th. It's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this year um, in Lexington. Awesome. And so it'll be the three days. And then we have education and programming all three days um, that'll take place both in kind of arenas in the Rolex arena and then in on a stage. Um, and then we have our night show in the all tech where the national horse show takes place. And that'll be kind of like the hop top show where a separate ticket and then that Cirque du Soleil kind of feel with the screens awesome. and the music and a lot of interesting acts that we can't tell you right now, but yeah. <laughs> so excited. we would love to share. We'll be sharing. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so cool. The world's largest equestrian trade fair and brand is finally coming to the USA this September at the Kentucky Horse Park. It's called Equitana USA and is going to be jam-packed with shopping, education, and entertainment for horse enthusiasts of all breeds, ages, and disciplines. 
I've got the event preview right in front of me, and I personally can't wait to experience the Laura Graves Clinic, the Katie Hawkins Equine Body Work Training, and Kathy Woods on Yoga for Equestrians, plus the Equus Evolution, the nighttime performance. You can get tickets at EquitanaUSA.com. And with that, let's get back to the episode. How have you been working towards bringing the American or the U.S. equestrian world in on Equitana USA and how that will look and how that event will be in the U.S.? Because I think I feel like a ton of people know about Equitana, um, but only by like name or you know don't don't really know like okay what what is it exactly? Um, so what what do you feel like have been some um, struggles or, or things that you've had to do to make that really clear to people? I guess, yeah, a lot of people know about Equitana, but like you said, they, they know it's a kind of a trade show, but they don't really know. So it's really about, um, communicating those three pillars of yeah. the shopping, the education and the entertainment and setting ourselves apart that we're not competitive to the other shows in the U S like I said, they're great for what they are, mm-hmm. but so bringing kind of this celebration of the horse that, highlights all disciplines that brings people of all ages together. It's really a higher level event where we all get together and really celebrate what horses bring to our life, whether you ride in dressage, eventing, hunter jumper, polo, um, endurance, anything where we can all enjoy that we are part of this crazy industry and just really a place to get together and celebrate it. There's the industry is wonderful. I mean, I went back to it and there's so many of us in it, but there are kind of difficult days and Mm -hmm. difficult situations and not everything's roses and daisies and butterflies. I mean, we all have strengths and weaknesses and we all have to deal with things. I mean, I was talking to uh, one of the influencers that we're working with the other day and we said, oh yeah, everything seems great. And you see everything on Instagram and everyone's riding and showing and winning. And then you don't see when someone goes to the bar and the horse is lame. And they can't figure it out and Mm -hmm. their, their goals for the next year were put on hold and it's all about the horses and you go home and you're crying and you're dealing with a lot of bills and a lot of issues. Just having a place for everyone to go and celebrate together and shop and really enjoy horses in a positive way that that's really what we're bringing to the U S that Equitana has across the world. Cool. Yeah. I love that. That is so awesome. What would you say is kind of on that same tone, um, some areas of the industry that you're particularly passionate about that you feel like the rest of the industry either doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk enough about? Um, I'd have to say there's probably two. Okay. Uh, The first one being adult amateurs and being an adult amateur myself, I'm 37. Um, I kind of live and breathe that world. Mm -hmm. So I did find there are so many adult amateurs, but it's kind of like, we don't really have this community across us. As I've started to be in this role, I've talked to a lot of people and a lot of businesses and a lot of re-riders that have come back into the industry are all kind of like, Ooh, now we're here. Like, do you still wear tailored sports pins or like our jeans and shops? okay. Like, cause that was normal. That was normal for us growing up. Yeah. I resurrected my old like predination saddle and cleaned it up. I was like, this will be great. And then Mm -hmm. I went to the bar and I was like, I I can never show up there with it. Like (laughs) this is now home decor. Like I I can't use this. Yeah. We don't really talk about enough that adult amateurs, they really are a big part of this business and Mm -hmm. we all kind of struggle too. So if there was a place or a way to talk about it, where whether it's your career and the time you have to give to your horse or the time you don't have to give to your horse, um, the financial aspect, like 
I have four kids. They all want to do activities and they want to ride and they want to do all their own mm-hmm. things that I can't say I'm going to dedicate all this money to showing a horse and leasing when my daughter and stepdaughter want to ride. Right. So I think, I mean, if we could talk more about just building a community for adult amateurs and kind of where we could ask the questions and maybe share horses like, Oh, I have a horse, but I can only come to the barn two days a week. And I don't have the financial support to pay a trainer to ride them the other four days. Like mm-hmm. I would love to be one of those people that's like, I will help out and mm-hmm. all right, we can split this. There are a lot of these catch riding groups for kids and juniors. And I get why, but we could use them for adults too. Mm-hmm. And I just think we really need to talk more about the adult amateurs and how we all kind of work together and build a community. The other thing I guess would be about horsemanship. Um, as a kid, I mean, we didn't have the grooms. You didn't show up to the barn and your pony wasn't handed to you. Right. And then you got off and you hand the pony back now, but mm-hmm. that wasn't a thing. Like we wrapped our horses, we cooled them out, we braided, we did all these things that now I go to the bar and I'm like, oh, I need to wrap a horse. I can do that. And watching um, my stepdaughter ride now, she she's wonderful. And she can get the pony to the ring when the groom hands it to her and tighten the girth and do her other stirrups. But if I went back to the barn and said, can you wrap this horse now or put on standing wraps or poultice or any of the stuff, she would be clueless and right. no fault of her own. But um, there's so many conversations about this lost art of horsemanship and I was lucky enough, um, about six months ago, I went to Kentucky and I met with Lisa Laurie at Spy Coast. And even she, when she brought it up, she's like, horsemanship, it's so difficult to find now. And mm-hmm. there's some schools in Kentucky that are really focusing on it. And I was like, you know, hearing it from someone that's so successful and so in the industry as she is, yeah. that there is a big need for it and kind of get back to that, why we do this. It's for the horses and let's all be able to take care of them. And the grooms are great. Trust me. I mean, oh, being yeah. an adult am- I have an hour and a half. Thank you for helping me with the horse. Totally. That's all I need. But we still all need to know how to take care of the horses in those times, especially they are our life. Mm. That's why we all still do it. So yeah. yeah. As an adult amateur, how do you think let's say you weren't um, exposed to that horsemanship at a young age. How is an adult amateur? Do you think are some ways that you could brush up on your horsemanship or, or learn some of those skills? Um, I think there are some new initiatives for juniors that they could bring out. Like USHJ, I believe, has um, some more kind of quizzing and testing where kids Mm -hmm. are kind of required to know this stuff now. Yeah. But I think it goes back to that adult amateur community as well, where a lot of us go to the barn and you don't feel comfortable saying, can you show me how to wrap a horse? Or can you show me how to tack up a horse? Like, I should know this stuff. So if we had that community where, okay, there are some adults at the barn or if trainers are more open, I know they're super busy or a barn manager that said, okay, one hour every Sunday morning, all the adults can come and the grooms can show them what they do or how we decide on supplements or how we take care of this or how we give this medication. Like just Mm -hmm. having that, I know we're all struggling with time and, but if we're going to want to be at the barn anyway, like there's some way that we could work that in or maybe these associations like USCA or USHA or the Dressage Federation, all those things, if they kind of gave more of those courses almost in a way as well. I mean, the other day I saw BZ Madden had a lesson on Facebook they posted and I was like, I have to watch. (laughs) It's like, that's how we learn these days. So even the digital world, Mm -hmm. um, just more of those opportunities where we could learn, I think would be helpful. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. And it's something that, um, you're so right with that mentality that, 
oh shoot, like I know I need to know. Like, um, let me go in like in the corner and Google this because heaven forbid I ask someone and look stupid. Um, <laughs> but it's true. It's it's something that I feel like our industry um, could definitely. Um, shed a little bit more light on him and be okay to be open about. And there is so much to know just about the horse, let alone all of the riding and the training and the care and the mental health and, um, your discipline specifically. There's so much to know that they're like, you talk to anyone who's been in the industry for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. And they still, the, one of the big things that I always have after speaking with them, the biggest takeaways is that they they still don't know it all. And there's still so much to learn and to learn from other people. And, um, that should be an encouragement to everyone to just, it's a, like, it is okay to not like to ask questions and to, um, in fear of looking stupid or whatever, because chances are there's other people probably in the same room who have the same question. And we're like, okay, good. Someone asked it because I don't know either. Um, so yeah, I think that <laughs> both of those areas are really important. And I know you and I talked about the idea of an adult amateur community, um, at the equestrian workshop. And I love your idea. I think you should run with it with, you know, all your free time you have finding a place, um, and creating a space where, um, people can be able to reach out to each other, um, in the same, you know, geographic location, um, or not, but, um, to be able to kind of like share some of those, you know, like horses or services or needs and be able to, you know, kind of build community off of that. I think that's such a cool idea. Yeah. Thanks. There's definitely a need for it. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Awesome. Well, Megan, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the Equestrian Podcast today. I think Equitana USA this September is going to be amazing. I cannot wait to attend. Until then, good luck with everything because I'm sure it is very chaotic. And as you get closer and closer to planning an event that large is going to be a lot, but I wish you all the best and look forward to talking to you soon. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.